0: Welcome to episode 276 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode, we discuss Brad Fittler's desperate plan to save his origin coaching career, Reese Walsh being put into timeout, and much, much more. Join us as we build a Rugby League community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 276 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the People. I'm your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, how are you doing this week?
1: Oh, Dr. T, I am doing well. And, uh, you know, Rugby League, the sport that doesn't die. Uh, You know, we're sort of in the lull period of... uh, you know, origin sort of. You know, origin is sort of the result has already been decided, but we still have to play one more game. Like it's one of those seasons. Um, we're sort of halfway through the comp, but um, yeah, still lots to talk about. It's great, isn't it? The sport that never stops giving. The overly right. generous league sport of of of, of NRL. But how are you, Doctor D?
0: Yeah, yeah, no, no. Look, yeah, it look. There's definitely lots of news in the rugby league world. Lots of things happening. Uh, you know, unfortunately, even some negative news, <laughs> which we mm. we always we can't get away from. One of one of those uh, involves my my team, the Eels, and uh, one of our main players, which but we won't we're not gonna talk about it because we don't want to prejudice anything. But let's needless to say, it is uh, you know, we're gonna try and make an effort to avoid talking about these things if we can and just focus on you yeah. know other you know, positive news like Brad Fitler and <laughs> The coaching, the coaches, the next coach to be sacked. You know, look, all that. The, we're, we're trying to be uplifting here, everyone. So, yeah. Anyway,
1: yeah. We, look, are the, the, we are the happy rugby league podcast.
0: <laughs> That's right. We're, we're all about positivity here, safe space, and all that. And, uh, yeah, no. Uh, look, there is a lot to talk about. So let's just dive right into the six tackles. Here's tackle number one the round 17 review. All right, round 17 saw, uh, it was post-Origin 2 round and we saw quite a few, you know, fairly low crowds, I would say, compared to what we've been used to this year, but we saw some really great performances and some very strong contenders for the top four and the top eight uh, rising from the Ashes. The first game was the Warriors, 48-18 to 18, over the Dragons at Wind Stadium on uh, the Friday night in front of 9,000 or so fans, Warriors really uh, putting their mark on the Premiership now. They're, they're starting to rise a little bit above the radar, even though, uh, yes, they did play the Dragons. But they, they're sort of starting to put it together. So, well done to the Warriors. Um, very similar score, 48-20, to 20, Eels over the Dolphins. The Saturday afternoon game, 3pm, at Sunshine Coast Stadium in front of about 8,000 or so fans. Um, you know, the Eels putting on a really epic first-half performance. I think it was 42-6 to 6 or something at halftime. Uh, absolutely epic. And, uh, you know, they unfortunately only scored six points in the second half. But there you go. But, uh, you know, more than a point a minute in the first half is uh, unbelievable. Uh, and the next game was the Panthers 20-12 to 12 over the Newcastle Knights. Uh, pretty much a second-string Panthers team, or at least a lot of the star players out, for various reasons, rested after origin, injuries, w- all that sort of stuff. Um, however, they played at Penrith Bluebed Stadium in front of 18,000 fans, and that was a Saturday 5.30 game, so well done the Panthers fans there for getting out there in droves. Uh, Amy Park, Melbourne, saw uh, Melbourne Storm 24-6 to 6 over Manly Warringah Seagulls. So, so that was a Saturday uh, 7.30 game in front of 13 or so thousand fans. And on Sunday, we had uh, three games. We had a 2 p.m. game at Suncorp Stadium. Yeah, you heard that right. 2 p.m. Sunday, daytime Sunday game, 42,000 fans turned up. Brisbane Broncos, Gold Coast Titans, the epic derby, and it was won by the Titans uh, unexpectedly, I think, because the Broncos were mm-hmm. top of the table at that point. Um, the next game was uh, uh, Queensland, nor- the North Queensland Cowboys, 31-6 to over the South Sydney Rabbitohs, you know, really coming home there, uh, putting their mark against the premiership contenders, South Sydney Rabbitohs, but that was at a core stadium in Sydney in front of wow. only... 11,000 or so fans um, on Sunday at 4 p.m. And finally, the Sunday 6 p.m. game was at Allianz Stadium in Sydney as well in front of 13,000 fans. Uh, The Raiders, 20 to 18 over the Sydney Roosters in the Ricky Stewart Cup there. (laughs) A lot of good performances. um, And look, Tish, a lot of good highlights. My highlight has to be the Eels. (laughs) I mean, I'm sick of saying it, but... uh, you can't go past a team that put on forty-two points in the first half, yeah. um, unstoppable. And and look, you know they they obviously uh, I forget the the center from the Dolphins. They they uh, they really targeted they that left, left side. Yeah, the left side defense. Uh, unfortunately, uh, you know the Dolphins coach uh, Wayne Bennett. You know he he had a touch of the Brad Fittlers and uh, and just you know he didn't quite adjust during the game didn't quite realize that he needed to do something with that defense uh and unfortunately they leaked so many points through that side but it was uh you know a really great performance it was almost uh you know a a flurry of late tries in that first half they weren't even uh, it was close up until that until like halfway through the, the first half and then the Eels just un, unleashed and, uh, and boy, was it great to see. It was great to see M- Mitchell Moses, uh, you know, all these players really putting in a lot of speed, a lot of, uh, you know, Gutho was there, almost injured his, um, injured his shoulder at one point, I think. Uh, but, you know, got back into it. So the Eels did me proud, uh, did a lot of the Eels fans proud. So well done, Parramatta. And I think the other epic performance uh, really was, well, the Titans against the Broncos, I think the Broncos are, uh, are kind of up and down. Even though they're kind of at the top of the ladder, they're, they're up and down a little bit, and I think they were vulnerable. And so, well done. I think you tipped the Titans, actually. So, well done, Tish, for tipping the Titans. But um, And the Warriors. I think the Warriors are one to watch for the next few weeks. But, Tish, those are my
1: highlights. What about yours? Yeah, well, if, you are, uh, if you're not a believer in uh, Dez Hasler... And the golden locks of success. Uh, well, I think the Titans made everybody a believer, right? So, look, hundred percent winning record, right, <laughs> right, and it gets the number one team. So, I thought the Titans were uh, fantastic, and you know, it's, it's very interesting because they're known as a as a as a very much an attack minded team. And that game, I did see uh, quite a bit of that game. There was a lot of really good, exciting, attractive attacking footy, Um, but then, you know, neither side were able to get across the line as, you know, with the number of opportunities that were changing. And then, uh, yeah, Gold Coast were able to stick it out. And, look, I think the other performance I was really impressed with was the Cowboys, Um, just the way they went about doing their business. Uh, Again, you know, it's kind of the same sort of thing that we had from Origin, right? You know, the team that sort of was able to uh, absorb pressure early uh, ends up you know, taking the game out, and I thought that you know it's like you know they were able to do quite a lot of that with the Rabbitohs, who you know look—I mean, they they were they look fresh and energetic after they their buy um, that they had the week before, um, but they just you know that they, they, they were sort of missing the last pass, and you know they weren't able to convert their opportunities, a bit like how New South Wales was in the uh, you know in the Origin type thing. So I feel like wow, like it's um it's become a Real theme of late like, about like, you know, not necessarily having a great attack, but more being able to, to you know, withstand the pressure, sort of thing. Which, yeah, amazing um, that we've sort of had that sort of uh, uh, sort of result. And yeah, as you said, the you know the parameter team was sort of going up. I was just trying to look some statistics up for that Cowboys game. So, um, you know, because it is one of these things, but it looks like the Cowboys. Uh, they also dominated all the statistics as well. So it wasn't like they were, um, you know, uh, I mean, although the percentage is is very close, I mean, it's like, what, 42, percent That's that's pretty close for a game where there's a deficit of 31 to 6. The other thing about the parameter performance I do need to ask you about, Dr. T, is that, um, uh, look, at halftime, I believe the score was around 42 to 6, right? So technically, the Dolphins won the second half. Um, yeah. Which is, which is kind of crazy, considering what the final score was, right? So, I mean, how did they sort of end up not scoring towards the second half there, Manly, and, I'm oh, sorry, uh, Parramatta, and then in reverse, you know, the Dolphins were able to to put some points on the board. It was very, uh, yeah, it was very odd, I've got to say. So I don't know what, what we should read into that, if we should read anything into that. Did, did you have any thoughts about that?
0: um all right, look i think they just took the f- foot off the pedal <laughs> to be honest like i think i think they probably thought the game is won. why would you um you know I, what's disappointing i think is that this is a typical kind of parameter sort of thing to do which is uh, you know you get you like like relax a bit when you get ahead that far ahead and then unfortunately what has happened a few times is that you know they haven't been 42 points ahead they've been you know less than that and they've relaxed a bit and then let the other team get into the match, and all of a sudden there's a golden point, and you know before you know it. So there's there's a there's a habit there that's a pretty bad one for the Eels, but I think in this case I think you're entitled to kind of relax a bit when you've just had an epic. You know, look, your two of your main players have just come out of a, an Origin loss, uh, and they they really were backing up. You know, three three four days after. Um, after the uh, the the Origin game, and I think they're entitled to kind of relax a bit. I'm I'm disappointed that they didn't try something different. Um, with with uh, the maybe maybe they could have tried something. Maybe they could have done something a bit different. Instead, it just looked like they it was a mentality thing, and that's the bit that worries me. Uh, if they kept trying to do the same thing, and then the the Dolphins were were you know awake to that. That's different, but it looked like they, were, you know, they were, they were just sort of put the foot off the pedal, which is again understandable in a way, but a bit disappointing because you think, you know, uh, it is disappointing that you lose the second half if you, when you're that far ahead. I think you need to, you need know, you, you know maybe it didn't need to be an eighty to ten to ten score, but maybe it could have been a the, the, maybe they could have gone for sixty. Why not? I mean, they were close. They were only two converted tries away from sixty. Why not do that? Really sort of show people that you mean business. So the the lack of a clinical finish is what worries me a little bit. Um, Having said that, you know, that that it's not something that they're known for. (laughs) We're not the Melbourne storm. Um, We're not the type of team that does that. I think they, uh, yeah, they, they'll, they'll take, they took it easy. But anyway, that's my view. Um, Any other thoughts on round one before we move on?
1: No, no, I I think, uh, I think, yeah, but look, uh, let's, 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 Yeah, obviously. know, um, yeah, there's not. I don't think you can read too much on anybody's form at the moment until after everybody sort of, you know, has has uh, has you know after we sort of uh, game theory of origin. I think that's when we could really start dissecting which teams are doing what in the competition.
0: Absolutely. All right, let's move on to tackle number two: Freddie's last hurrah. So after the series loss, I think Freddie Fittler is under immense pressure to put on a performance and make sure that we don't lose 3-0. I think it's fair to say that if we lose 3-0, it's pretty much guaranteed that uh, Freddie will be uh, be sacked and replaced by another coach. Uh, However, there is a slim chance, I think, if they can show some promise in Game 3, if they can show a turnaround in form and turnaround in approach, that it's possible that the New South Wales Rugby League will make a decision in his favour. However, what they have done currently is uh, they've they've taken a bit of a desperate measure. Uh, I don't know whether this was uh, brought upon Fitler or whether it was suggested by him, but they've made a, um, a decision, the New South Wales Rugby League, to, uh, you know, before they make a final decision on Fitler's future, they, uh, they they've appointed a coaching director to assist him And uh, so they're considering making uh, someone that I'm familiar with, (laughs) someone who used to coach the Dragons, the Eels, the Knights, and the Roosters. None other than Brian Smith is touted as being uh, likely to be appointed by the New South Wales Rugby League to be the coaching director uh, for the Origins squad to assist Brad Fittler. Um, Just as a reminder, he coached, uh, Brian Smith coached 679 first grade games between 1984 and 2016. He hasn't coached the NRL since the Roosters sacked him uh, in favour of Trent Robertson in 2012. So it's been, you know, 11 years uh, since he's coached in the NRL. He's 69 years old and his role will not be to coach obviously, but he'll be to mentor Brad Fittler uh, who seems to have had, uh, you know, struggled a bit lately and so Tish, look, that's that's as far as we know. Um, uh, I don't know if you know anything more, but look, let me just look. Is is this a good move having someone like Brian Smith there to mentor Brad Fittler as, as we approach that final game? Uh, is and that's one question. And the next question is, is it enough? Uh, do we, do we need more of a radical change in the way coaching is done at Origin level for New South Wales? Uh, but yeah, over to you, Tish. Uh, you know, first question being. Uh, is this a smart move? and secondly, is it enough?
1: Um, yeah, look, I, I, I don't know because I'm trying to figure out what a director of coaching is, right? So uh, you know like uh, like you know, are they behind the camera? Uh, do they work with a cinematographer and a uh, you know and a choreographer and uh, you know, do we need to get somebody to do the writing? like are, are they making a movie? Um, because that's when I normally when I think of director, that's what I think, right? Or somebody who is uh, trying to, uh, you know, trying to uh, embezzle some money, um, you know, with the board or something. So I really don't know what what the whole idea about having a director. And I think, like, you know, how much direction do you need? Because you you are only talking. I know it's a twelve month job, but it's a twelve month part time job, right? I mean, most of the time you're just making comments on Channel 9 uh, commentary and then you sort of get catching up with players who are got a full-time job, you know, uh, for their clubs and then you're trying to, you know, you know, bring the band back together and perform. Like, I, I feel like, do we really need all that structure? And I kind of feel like just the way the New South Wales team played, they kind of feel like, uh, I don't know, it just felt very tight, <laughs> right? Like, you know, don't make a mistake or, or I'll lose my spot. Like, so I feel like more structure may not be the answer to uh, the the problem. And really, the problem is we're not winning games. And uh, so I think, uh, you know, with all due respect to Brian Smith, you know, he was a, a great in-season coach. But, uh, you know, his record at the big game, not so hot, right? So um, should be appointing somebody who's like a perennial sort of winning coach and we tried to do that a few years ago with craig belney but it kind of uh it kind of failed what would be nice if uh, say craig belney did become director of football not really the coach but over yeah overseeing whoever is the new south wales coach right that could be interesting i just think yeah i don't know if brian smith is the right guy is probably what i'm saying and um yeah i think brad like you know brad fitler is kind of interesting right like you know he uh you know, he's kind of like, uh, his persona on TV seems to be like fun guy with a bit of zen, you know, likes to, uh, you know, does the, does the ad about sleeping and, um, you know, like sort of, you know, doesn't wear shoes and gets the the team to feel the grass type thing and, you know, has like a secret tunnel that everybody has to walk through and all that kind of stuff. Like, you know, all that fun stuff that kind of held <laughs> the team, it's all gone out the window and it feels more like, you know what? Like, hey, you're too short, you're out. Hey, you're not origin material, you're out. Well, you had a bad performance, you're out. Um, you know, hey, I kind of like you're kind of my guy, you're in. Uh, you guys play at perimeter, you're in. And it's kind of changed a little bit. I think like we just gotta get back to what was winning a couple of years ago, which is like, you know what? Let's just let's just gel together as a team. And I think that's what what New South Wales need in the short term. But I kind of feel that's the direction that we need to always be going, which was let's be a let's be a team as opposed to a um, you know a group of individuals who are superstars, right? I feel like we've gone for Plan B when I think Plan A was working well for us. But that's that's kind of think where I think that need to go. So and hopefully I think Brad's the man to do it. That's the thing. I don't I don't think that his uh, job should be on the line if 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 we are not losing again because i think he i think he's got the right temperament to carry on um but i just think that he just needs to go back to what was working in the past that's my thought but how about yourself uh
0: i i respectfully disagree with that last point (laughs) i think i think he has lost his way and that's why they're making this desperate attempt to get someone to kind of Mm. provide him mentor mentoring uh look in in other circumstances, we've seen this before. You ask him, "What does a director do?" It is kind of like what Gus was doing at Penrith. What he's trying to do at, at the Bulldogs, he's not directly involved in coaching, but he's got a big say in the coaching environment. So it is, it is the case that you know um, you'll have a coach that will be, in a way, subservient and junior to the director. Um, you know but that's that's the way mentoring goes like the you've got an experienced person and then someone who's actually got got to get on with it and is learning learning the ropes kind of thing um i think in this case you know Fitler had early success and then it was up 3-1 and then now it's 3-3 he's uh won three and lost three series and i don't think you know if you look at it, if it was the other way around, where he started off poorly and then he's been improving and winning series, it would be a different situation. But I think because he started well, seems to have lost his way. And I think, you know, we can speculate, we have speculated about why that is. But I think when the people in the New South Wales Rugby League look at it and decide, you know, the fact that they've decided to go with Brian Smith, who who never coached at origin level... um. I believe that's correct. I believe he never did coach at Origin level. It just makes you think, you know, what what are they thinking? Um, It makes me a little bit worried because I would think I would think you'd have someone like Gus as the as the coaching director, but he can't because he's employed elsewhere. But um, you know, who else would you turn turn to in uh, the Blues? uh, You know, the Blues past, the legends of the past to provide that sort of mentoring. Unfortunately, we don't have the likes of Meninga and people like that who have that stature anymore and they don't, they're not involved in coaching. So this is a problem we have in New South Wales is that a lot of our legends have completely either exited the game or gone towards media. You know, it would have been good to have someone like Peter Sterling, um, you know, involved in that kind of thing, but he's too involved in the media and, and knows too many people. So it's going to be a bit of a, not quite a conflict of interest. It's just going to be awkward if... Um, you're not going to get the best out of any of of the people involved. So I think look, it's a good good move. Let's see what happens. But um, I I wonder I wonder what Brian Smith is going to bring to it. I don't I don't exactly know what kind of advice he's gonna to provide to Brad Fittler that Fittler would actually take on board. <laughs> but um, you know, you know, who knows? Uh, did did Brian Smith actually coach? he must have coached uh, Brad Fittler at one point. If uh, the timing is correct, Uh, I think that's the case. So I think that's at least they've got that going for them, that they have a prior relationship. So anyway, look, let's see how we go. Um, Good luck, Nisabar's Rugby League. Good luck, Brad Fiddler. This is your last throw of the dice, I think. Um, I think there will be uh, lots more people calling for his sacking if we lose 3-0. At the moment, we've still got a chance of getting at least some pride back. So let's see how we go. All right, let's move on to tackle number three. Uh, Reese Walsh gets sent to timeout. The big news has been that Reese Walsh has uh, been suspended. Broncos fullback Reese Walsh is going to miss Origin 3 after he was found guilty by the NRL judiciary on Tuesday, that's last night, of contrary conduct towards a match official and he was suspended for three matches. That means he's going to miss Origin 3. Um, the incident occurred in the match, uh, you know, against uh, the, the Titans and... Uh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, against the Titans. And he was, um, look, there was a, there was this big kerfuffle where there, where Reese, uh, swore. It seems he swore at the referee and <laughs> made some, made some unsavory comments. Um, he has been arguing however that he didn't actually swear at the referee, that he was actually targeting his teammate, Patrick Carrigan. Now, it's a hell of a story, but there is, there is more to, to the drama, where there was all sorts of uh, footage that keeps turning up, showing different angles and different things. Uh, he's claiming that he didn't actually swear at the referee; that he swore at his colleague, uh, his teammate, as he was walking back. The referee didn't see where he was looking, and just uh, you know penalise him and and put him on report, that kind of thing. Um, that's not what the judiciary found. In fact, one of the uh, one of the dramas out of this, a hilarious little bits and pieces story here, is that David Fafita was brought in to uh, help clear up what was happening, and he stuffed up a little bit in his testimony and probably uh, made it very difficult for Reese Walsh to, you know, prove his innocence. Um, he was trying to; he was brought in to provide testimony that Walsh uh, was directing his outburst not to the referee, but instead to Patrick Carrigan. It fell apart, however, when David Fafita uh, uttered the following. He said, quote, he said to the ref, I I mean, Paddy. And then when he was asked to clarify his comments, Fafita said, I didn't mean that. I just get nervous. I get intimidated by speaking to you guys because I think I'm in the wrong. I reached out uh, to Walsh. I just said, if you need me to do anything, let me know. We just spoke about how he was wronged. I knew he wasn't talking to the ref. It was me who said to Walshy he wasn't speaking to the ref. I knew he was talking to Paddy because I was right there. So the first part is a bit where he just – it was a Freudian slip, it's called. I said to the ref, I mean Paddy. Or he said to the ref, I mean Paddy. So look, I teach. this is all a bit he said, she said. <laughs> and even though you've got a whole bunch of different video footage and angles and things – Um, The fact of the matter is the NRL judiciary took four hours to look at all the evidence and testimony and decided that Reese Walsh's story, that he wasn't actually directing the swear words at the referee, was actually incorrect uh, and and not based on any evidence. And in fact, it was obvious that he was. So that's, look, I'm not going to go over the legal things, but I guess my question to you, Tish, first question is, do you believe Reese Walsh's story?
1: Hello. Sorry, I was on mute there,
0: Doctor T. So my apologies. So yeah. Oh, you were you directing your outbursts to someone? Were you? <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> Maybe that's what should have happened to Reese Walsh.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. but but look, sorry. Uh, what I was uh, trying to say before, uh, you know, I was on mute. Um, was that basically? Uh, I, look, I saw the uh, replay time and time again on a rugby league TV show where they were sort of debating it. Uh, what I what I thought when I was looking at it is that he kind of went up to the referee straight away to say that I was talking to Patty, right? He kind of said it a few times. And then I was looking at like where Patrick Carrigan was and where the referee was. Patrick Carrigan was obviously a lot closer. I thought he was eyeball to eyeball in front of Patrick Carrigan. So I I actually feel that he is actually telling the truth. Like um, that, that yes, he did have an outburst and he probably shouldn't say that stuff and all that kind of stuff, but it's a heated moment. But I do believe that he was, like, more trying to, like, uh, trying to find solace in his teammate by going, hey, man, like, you know, it's not like a, you know, I I feel like even the the way you sort of analyze it, you know, there's a shrug of the shoulders a little bit, right? So kind of like, hey, I'm asking a question. Isn't that BS, man? That type of thing, you know? And then, yeah, the referee, referee, he can't say that he saw him do that because he was running the other way too, right? That's what I thought. But he heard
0: it, and it sounds like he's talking about So, look, I get what you're saying. The way I see it, he's he's like – He's claiming no, I wasn't talking to the referee, I was talking to Patrick Carrion, but he was talking about the referee and the, the anger at the decision. Yeah. So to me, to me, it's like saying, No, so you can't blame the... me. Like he's still talking. Mm. It's like yeah, saying, No, I, I wasn't calling you a cheat to your face. I was telling my mate that you were a cheat. <laughs> like that to yeah. me is no argument. I don't know. I don't know.
1: Yeah, that that that's actually fair because the the, the interesting thing is that TV show I was watching, everybody was like, Oh my god. He clearly said it to referee. I'm like, man, he didn't say it to referee. I, I don't see him even looking at the referee when he said it, saying it, right? So he, yes, but I do like say, so look, what I think is this proves gossip in any workplace environment not a good thing. <laughs> you know, Talking, don't talk about about the
0: the the leaders or the managers or whatever. Yeah, or your director I'm, of coaching.
1: Don't yeah, talk about them with a work colleague. That you're very close to. I mean, you guys are on nickname basis, Patty. You know, do not be talking about somebody else behind their back. I think, I think this is this, and you know what, Reese deserves it. And then, you know what, Reese well, should like get some better friends, right? Who don't get intimidated by you lot. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> like, yeah. who are those people? Like, you know, like David for Peter, you run over so you run over 15 players every time you grab the ball, right? But you are scared of you lot. So, um. <laughs> I I I think that's kind of kind of where they're at, and um, you know this is why. And look, to be fair, Reese Walsh, and and not just Reese Walsh. I think uh, Jerome Luai and probably perhaps uh, Josh Edaka. All three of them probably shouldn't be playing game three after that sort of uh, exactly. E- that's a different thing altogether.
0: Yeah. So so, yep. so
1: I feel like there is a bit of a a bit of a well. Okay, this incident. You might be a little like you might be fairly. Harsh on White, but you know, the game was lenient to you, uh, you know, not that long ago. So, I think, I think if anything, maybe a bit of gratitude on the fact that, that, uh, well, you kind of got a little bit what you deserved, even though it wasn't really for that incident. But yeah, that's yeah. What I thought it, Dr. T. Yeah.
0: No, nah, look, the other thing with Reese is that, and I, I, another bit of info is that the referee did actually say, I think this is another news article I saw, that he, uh, he did warn. Uh, the captain, uh, I guess it's Patrick Carrigan the captain. I guess he warned him that, that, um, that Reese, he he did say to him, I think in the first half, he keeps coming up to me. He's got to stop that. I've warned him in the first half. Um, He, I think what he was saying, referring to is that Reese, the way Reese reacts to, you know, a lot of these calls is that he, he angrily goes up to the referee yeah, uh, I think it, he used the term "passionate," passionate kind of, passionate defense kind of thing comes up, and 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 I think that's intimidating to the referee. So I think it's more than just he swore and he looked in the wrong direction and blah blah blah. There's there's a build up here, and this is mm. I think this is a key thing that people forget. This guy's got form on this, and the referee warned him in this game. <laughs> to calm down and in fact there was another bit of footage that i saw which uh it's hard to find again i think i lost it but um where someone found some footage that showed uh one of his teammates saying to him something along the lines of you know pull your head in or use your brain <laughs> as if to say or, or calm your brain down or something like that there was a there's a very strange turn of phrase that was uh, uttered to reese uh by one of his teammates saying you know basically calm down um you know use your brain a bit don't don't go overboard and i think so i guess what i'm saying is that this is a uh it's it's a uh, it could be the straw that broke the camel's back, but it's a pretty big straw. It wasn't a s- tiny straw, but it was a buildup of this is the way Brees has been behaving for quite some time, um, and I've seen it as well. Like I've, you know, you, there's some players that you always see constantly whinging to the referee. I mean, he's he is the modern Jeff Tuvey. basically (laughs) Uh, he is this day's jeff Tuvey. he looks a bit like jeff tovey just he's a bit short and uh he's got got a nice mop of hair but uh look he needs to calm down a little bit and i think this is probably uh this is what punishment is for in in a in a in a law, law and order based society it's to teach a lesson and to correct behavior and i think I think this is a behaviour that needs to be corrected. The other thing that you mentioned that I was going to dive into, but I think it's, it's a question of is this too harsh a punishment to lose a chance at a third origin game just because of something like that? There is precedent here. There are others that have been suspended for swearing at referees, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so I think there's a, there's a justification for that. But you also mentioned, look, the fact that nothing came out of that that scuffle and headbutts in particular in Origin two indicates to me that um, you know he was lucky to get away with that, and I think this is a bit of karma uh, catching up to him. Um, I wonder if karma is going to catch up to Luai, though because uh, he probably should have also been suspended and not been in Game three, and that could have solved another problem for New South Wales, which is <laughs> let's go let's go look for another five eighths because everyone keeps talking about. Nico Hines and, and things like that. So, you know, that's I guess that's the next question. But, you know, was he harshly done? But I think we kind of agree that it's probably a bit too much to lose a chance at origin, even if technically mm. you're supposed to lose two to three games. Um, it, it is not just the swearing. I think that's the issue. It's the contrary conduct. It's the way he goes up to the referees and, and argues with them and not just in a... You know, like it seems like a, lot, a lot of the in a constructive way. Not in a constructive way, and mm. it's certainly not. It's a the polar opposite of Cameron Smith. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Cameron Smith would argue, but in a in a in a politician's kind of way, and he would mm. justify with logic and rationale. Reese just goes up like a fireball, like a cannonball, and just goes what you know, blah blah, blah And he's done it quite a bit, and it's a bit off-putting. He's not the only player that does it. But I think this has got to the point where he's got a behaviour that needs to be corrected. So yes. I'm all I'm all on board with the correction of that behaviour. I, I think it's unfortunate that it's him that he's had a stellar couple of games in Origin. There's all that controversy with the Luai kind of face-off kind of thing. Um, any other time of the year, no, this would not raise much of an issue because you would look just squarely at the facts but because of the emotion of origin the emotion of reese um you know possibly usurping tedesco as the kangaroos fullback, you know all this stuff is happening in his life and this just adds to it but in a negative way but like i said any other time of year if we didn't have origin and all this other talk we would look fairly and squarely at reese's behavior and go yeah that's fair enough That's fair enough. He needs a bit of correction, course correction there. Um, That's my view. But, uh, Tish, shall we move on to the next tackle? What do you reckon?
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: All right. Tackle number four, Luke Brooks has gone to Manly. (laughs) All right, so Luke Brooks has been, at the end of, well, at the beginning of 2024, Luke Brooks is going to head over to Manly uh, for, I think, four years. Uh, you know, not as rich a contract as he's on now, but, you know, big news there, Manly, uh, you know, they've already got Daly Cherry Evans there, they've already got Jake Arthur, they've got Josh Schuster. Uh, what do they need Luke Brooks for? <laughs> I wonder. Tish, <laughs> Tish, you, what are you, what are your thoughts? He is uh, one of the much maligned and misunderstood Tigers, uh, you know, junior hopefuls that uh, that that kind of uh, you grew up with and and w- watched his career not mm. really take off the way others have. Who have left like Tedesco and who were the others? It was Tedesco, and Mitchell Moses, Mitchell
1: Moses
0: right, uh, Josh Adakar. Yeah. Or, um, and was um, what's that other bloke? The the forward, or someone else? It was uh, like Aaron f- Woods. Aaron Woods. Yeah, there was those four at the time when they were they were you know collectively, you know, the same sort of age kind of thing. But they've all gone on and done different things. But Luke Brooks has not. And I wonder what is your thoughts as a Tigers fan uh, losing Luke Brooks? Are you happy for him that he's left the nest, or uh, you know what, what's what? What are your emotions there?
1: Well, look, I have been, uh, I've said it before, I think he needed a change, and I think the Tigers needed a change away from him, too. And then, so, but then when it finally happens, you're kind of like, oh my God, oh no, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We're going to come last, oh my God. But then I realized that we are actually last already. So, (laughs) um, you know, so, 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 and then, like, the media's kind of been, like, beating the Tigers up, but well, what are they going to do now? They've got no options, halves and five minutes. Well, to be fair, like we kind of had to make a change anyway. Right. So I, I don't think it's going to, I don't think we could go much worse. There's actually like literally no other place to go lower. So it's fine <laughs> from that point of view. It's actually fine. Right. But then from a Luke Boyd's point of view, I, I look, I think that I do understand why the targets kept him for so small. Not because he is talented. Uh, he definitely has uh, shown glimpses. He's p- been able to put games together. Um, You know he's got a great running game. There's you know there's a lot of there's a lot of good attributes in Luke Brooks. He's got the experience now over 200 games. So there's so much there. Um, You know within the next four years when he's there, DCE is uh, I think he will end up being 38 after four years' time, right? So there is probably a a succession plan there that Manly are looking to do, and then they've got a um, a guy who's played 200 games uh, in the NRL as a halfback, being able to do that. Um, probably the communication part, um, you know, has and the game management part is probably still an area of his life, uh, still an area of his game that he needs to improve, I should say. And I think DCE definitely has those attributes that he could learn from. So I think it's, I think it's good for Luke. And um, so I think it's good for Luke. And look, I had a look at this because I don't think I even thought about it like this. But you know, Luke Brooks, uh, you know, he started in the NRL in 2013. I had a look at the Tigers roster in 2013 um, and apart from David Nafaluma, like it's just him and David Nafaluma left from what was there in 2013, right? I know that's a long time ago now, if you really think about it 10 years ago, right? So you think about, you know, the fact that Tigers haven't made the finals in so many years, we've had so many coaching changes, administration changes, player changes, uh, philosophy, yeah, different change the philosophy, even, even different stadiums, right? We've changed just about everything, um, but the two constants, uh, players have been those two, and you know that's like the only remnant left. So I think, and I don't think David were, uh out, out on the wing. Uh, I know it's an important position, but I don't think it's it's as vital to a team as a, as a spinal position like halfback. So I kind of feel like the Tigers now have got. Like I think they were kind of uh, trying to make it work, and it just was never really going to work type thing uh, with Luke Brooks, mm. um, and that kind of set the Tigers back as a as a team. But I think it's also set up. I think it also hurt Luke Brooks a lot too. So I think finally let's just rip the band aid. You know I hope he does well. You know I kind of kind of hope that he has success at Manly and and even gets to play finals. Um, you know, uh, and and do all that. And I think for the Tigers, I think now it's like, I think the reality of what the Tigers need to be as a, as a club, I don't think we can be distracted by that. Right. We are not going to uh, improve by signing new players. We're not going to improve um, by, you know, like a star coach or or a radical thing. What we have to do is focus on our juniors, focus on the players that we have developing and, 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 you know, do it that way. Do it, you know, the, the same sort of way. Do it the way we did it in 2005, which is the way the Panthers have been doing it now. And if you think about how the Panthers were able to do that, you know, they were able to get a, a winning player uh, in James Maloney into the squad to sort of mentor some of these youngsters. We have that now in out around the club, uh, you know, and we have a lot of young players. And now it's it's their it's it's their te- it's their time it's their time to shine and uh and i hope uh i hope they could see it that way and and not try and do what they seem to always do which is uh you know let's go and let's go and try and uh, buy buy ourselves a better position because i don't think that can ever work at the tigers
0: all right fair enough uh, some raw emotions there showed by you i think you Logic is taking over, though. I think you realise that there is a plan that needs to be uh, implemented. And, uh, Mm. look, yeah, I think that's the thing with with Luke. There's going to be some people thinking they're disappointed in what he wasn't able to deliver. But also, I think there's a lot of people thinking, look, he needs to move on. It's clearly not working. Uh, They need a new, fresh approach. And I think that's fair enough. So I think the Tigers doing that is probably the best move on both their parts <laughs> and, 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 uh, Luke Brooks, I think will definitely go on to bigger and better things. And it gives the Tigers an opportunity to look beyond the, you know, the, the failures of the past and, and try and look to the future. So good luck to the Tigers. Good luck to Luke Brooks. Uh, let's see what happens next year. At Manly it will be interesting to see how he's mentored by DCE. Um, but look, potentially another change happening in the NRL. It's about, uh, Tackle number five, Adam O'Brien's future at the Knights. Here we go. All right. We've already seen in the the NRL coaching merry-go-round two dismissals this year. Anthony Griffin and Justin Holbrook just last week at the titans uh newcastle coach adam bryan feels like he's anxious he's looking over his shoulder he's 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 worried about his position uh given that the knights are, are kind of languishing near the bottom of the ladder and they're struggling a little bit uh even though they're showing good glimpses here and now i think he feels like he's got a target on his back certainly that's what he's been telling the media um and he he says uh that I quote, I understand that we're in the business of winning footy games, and usually if you're not in the top eight, then it's hunting season for you. I've probably been separated from the herd even more now. I get that there's probably a target on me, but sitting around worrying about it all day is not going to help the footy team. It won't help the players. You can't ignore it, but I won't let it consume me because I can't. I've just got to crack on with it and fight my way out of it. End quote. <coughs> it sounds like he is actually obsessing over it. <laughs> he's saying he's... Yeah. Saying so he's what he's got to ignore it. I think he's a, he's more talking to himself than to the media there. I think he's trying to talk himself up, you know. The, the, ignore it, ignore it. No, look, you can't ignore it. The the results is what matters. And you know, other coaches with better pedigrees than him have been sucked this year. Um and so, you know, no no surprise that if you're not performing, that that people will start looking at what you're doing. What are you doing to improve the, the squad? What are you doing to manage the injuries? What are you doing to manage the squad? All that kind of stuff. But look, Adam O'Brien, um, what do you think, Tish? Is he likely to be the next coach to be sacked this year?
1: Yeah, well, I think the question that was asked to him was, um, you know, what changes have you made to your squad this week? And um, <laughs> he responded with... <laughs> I understand. Okay, sorry. Yeah, so Yes, I think, yeah, you are obsessing about it sort of thing. Here's, here's the thing. Look, uh, Adam Bryan, like his first two seasons, uh, I think they made the top eight back-to-back after they'd sort of been uh, one of the teams that have just struggled, right? So I think he did do the job. Uh, but then the last few seasons, it's kind of not been happening for a minute for him. And I think this is where, you know, it happens to a lot of coaches, this sort of thing, where they have a really good sort of first few seasons type thing and then uh the results just don't seem to be able to uh to sort of you know keep coming and then you kind of like sort of fall away a little bit, you know, and uh and I think that kind of uh is where he he sort of uh uh finds himself at the moment. But I do like Adam O'Brien as a coach. I think he's actually quite quite a good coach actually and I actually like his raw honesty uh even though he uh he must. He must. Uh, he must do a bit of hunting. Uh, you know, in his spare time, and and sort of as half a vegan, I kind of was half offended by it. You know, um, uh, <laughs> yeah, because he kind of like it's a weird now to bring up, but yeah, he's kind of like an open book type character. So I think I like that. So um, you know, I was just thinking about Craig Bellamy, right? Craig Bellamy obviously has had a great uh, tenure uh, at the uh, you know, at the Melbourne Storm. Um, you know, kind of making the finals just about every single year. But like, you know, the first few years, they were sort of at the bottom of the top eight, you know, and then they sort of had a few seasons where they started winning and stuff like this. But then they've had seasons where they sort of were running sixth or running fourth or, you know, not quite having the same success as other years type thing. But Craig Bellamy has been able to sort of always, when the side was sort of going on the way down, they've always been able to find a way uh, to try and you know, get back up, and I think this is the part that sort of makes Adam the coach. And I think it's good uh, makes that's going to make Adam uh, O'Brien a good coach, right? Is if uh, is that you know, sort of in this period where they're sort of struggling, can he try and bring it back around? Um And I think he's got the squad to do it. So I I don't think uh, I don't think he's down and out yet. So it would be interesting to see how they sort of uh, do towards the end of the season. Uh, now but I just you know they've got the bulldogs this week that should be a game that they could win and then you know uh you know maybe they could start on a bit of a uh you know on a bit of a winning spree they've still got a buy left um so they're probably maybe a little uh lower than what they could be but yeah but let's see how they how they sort of uh you know pull some string wins together and who knows they might they might end up ninth yeah <laughs>
0: Well, as a Tigers fan, you would know what that's like, so that's good. (laughs) Yep,
1: (laughs) that's right.
0: (laughs) All right, Timmy Sheens is going to be his mentor, that's right. All right. Here we go. Tackle number six of tips for round 18. Here we go. Last week, were seven. There were seven games. Uh, I got five out of seven. You got three out of seven. That brings me to a total of seventy-one, and you are still way ahead on eighty-two. But I am catching up slowly, Tish. I'm catching up slowly. But look, this this is now a the first full round that we've had since Origin started, and uh, my eels have a bye. So well done to the eels. You're gonna, <laughs> you know, you're gonna get the two points. Which is great, um, although some would argue that they already started their buy at halftime in the last game. But anyway, um, let's move into the tips. So firstly, the Thursday night game, we're going to see the Sharks and the Dragons. I cannot go past the Sharks. I think the Dragons are dead ducks at the moment. Tish, what about you?
1: Yeah, I'm going to tip the Sharks. I think even uh, even the most loyal uh, Dragon supporter is Paul going to tip the Sharks this week.
0: <laughs> All right, the Friday night 6 p.m. game is uh, the Warriors at home to the Rabbitohs. I think the Warriors are going to cause an upset, so uh, that's my tip.
1: Yeah, look, South have been very indifferent, and I kind of have to agree here. I'm going to go with the Warriors. I think the Warriors, are, they're in the top eight. They're sort of, uh, they're, they're doing well.
0: All right, the Storm v. Pandas at Marvel Stadium in Melbourne. The Friday 8pm game, the big blockbuster game, I think the Panthers will win this one.
1: Yeah, look, I'm going to tip the Storm. Uh, I don't think any of the Panthers players have ever played a Marvel Stadium. So, very, very interesting. New terrain for the Panthers, and I don't know if they'll be able to adjust.
0: Alright, Raiders versus Titans. A Saturday 3pm game at GIO Stadium in Canberra, which means the Cam- the traditional Canberra cold weather in winter isn't going to be a factor. I still think the Raiders will win this one. I think they, uh, Ricky is again, they're under the radar. They're flying around. Uh, let's see what happens, but they'll be tested for sure. It'll be a close game, but I think they'll end up winning. What about you, Tish? Yep.
1: Look, I am a believer in the golden locks of Des Hasler. So I'm going to tip the Titans. I can't wait for the post game press conference because uh, Ricky Stewart and Des Hasler no one does it better.
0: <laughs> That's right. All right, Cowboys and Tigers, Saturday 5.30 game at Queensland Country Bank Stadium in Townsville. Um, the Cowboys, I think, are on a roll. The Tigers are struggling a little bit, so I, I think the Cowboys will continue to uh, uh, their momentum.
1: I think I agree, so I'm going to tip the Cowboys. Unfortunately, I think the Tigers, um, yeah, uh, no, bad to worse, I think. So, yeah.
0: All right, the Saturday evening game, a 7.30 game for the 100th time this year, the Broncos against the Dolphins. Uh, haven't they already played each other? I've just, the, yeah, I think just... they've played each other once. Uh, so, so this is okay. the second. Okay, it feels like they, they've always played each other. But anyway, Broncos and Dolphins at the Gabba.
1: Yes. I mean, isn't this crazy? <laughs> Why? Um, well, What's I going it's, on? It's to prepare the fields for the World Cup. Of, uh, oh, it's not yeah. for the
0: Taylor Taylor Swift uh, concert or something. No, okay. Well, that
1: could be true as well. And then also, uh, you know, Marvel Stadium, I think, is, is a similar sort of situation, right? So, um, but coming back to this game, ooh, um, you know what? I'm going to tip an upset here. I'm going to tip the Dolphins. Uh, I feel like they're going to get better crowd support than the Broncos, A, and I think B, uh, yeah, they, they won the second half. So, uh, <laughs> so, so I'm gonna go off that. So yeah.
0: fair enough. Well, I'm tipping the Broncos. I think I forgot to actually mention my tip. <laughs> the Broncos for me. Uh, I think they need. They need. You know, they needed the wake up call with the Titans. I think they'll snap out of it. Um, interesting to see how they react without Reese Walsh. But let's see if they can fill the gap there. But um, anyway, we'll see how it goes. Uh, Sunday, two p.m. game at a core stadium. Bulldogs versus Knights. I think the Knights are going to win this one, despite uh, the paranoid coach thinking that everyone's out to get him.
1: Yeah, look, I get that's right. I'm going to tip Adam O'Brien and his tinfoil hat and uh, all the different conspiracies <laughs> that he believes in. Um, yeah, but yeah, interesting.
0: All right, and finally the Sunday 4 p.m. game. It's the Battle of the Beaches, Manly versus Sydney Roosters slash Bondi at uh, Four Pines Park in Manly. And I think, look, I think Manly uh, – look, the Roosters are a bit funny this year because they've, they've got such a strong squad, they're just underperforming. So I think they're a risk – there is a risk that at any given point in time they will snap out of it and unleash on uh, whoever's not expecting it. It could be this this round, but I don't think it will be. I think Manly will win this one.
1: Yep. As I think uh, Brookvale prepares for Brooks. Um, you know. oh, 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 Brooksvale. I of think, course. I think um, – you know, these two are everybody's second most hated team. Uh, <laughs> because they end up... And, and the, other, the other team is the other team they're playing. I'm going to tip an upset. I'm going to tip the Roosters. I know that sounds crazy, but they need a win somehow. And, uh, you know, somewhere I think, uh, you know, uh, you know, French Rugby League's, uh, you know, coaching director uh, or coaching mentor, I don't know, uh, Trent Robinson, I think he... I think he will, uh, yeah, he will shine on the Insular Peninsula.
0: (laughs) Fair enough. All right, well, that's it for our tips, and that's it for the podcast. It's been a big one. Uh, Lots happening in the world of rugby league. Hopefully you guys get out there and uh, either watch the game wherever you are or get out and actually support your team. Uh, The crowds have dwindled a bit. tends to happen during Origin period and winter, but um, hopefully they'll pick up again as we start, the, the road home to the finals. Tish, over to you to wrap this one up.
1: Well, thank you, Dr. T. I'd like to thank everybody for listening, but that's all the time that we have on this edition of the Rugby League Republic. We're your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now.